It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back out of his seat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center. And he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. On our show today, we're going to chat with Erasmo Ramirez about starting, relieving, and being a team player. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times will be our team player joining us from Seattle to discuss the week gone by. This is the third anniversary of the passing of one Don Zimmer. We're going to sit down with his widow Soot, reminisce with her, players, and coaches. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball. Our feature guest this week is Erasmo Ramirez. Erasmo, good to have you on the show and good to see you back in the rotation. What did it mean to you when you got a chance to be starting again? Well, you know, it's just something that like, I was waiting till the last year, waiting for the opportunity, that chance. Like every day, I just uh, work for. I try to just uh, be back to the role I love. But um, if the team, how I say always, if the team asks me for be a reliever, and I have to just go and execute. And no matter what's the, what's the situation, yeah, you have to get into the game and execute every pitch and get up, get up from the game and like help my team most I can that's the idea every time I go pitch do you think being a reliever may help you as a starter though because of that mentality you have to have when you get in the game everything's on the line well it helps a lot because you got too much pressure when you're in the bullpen and you know you're gonna get it in tough situation against tough hitters maybe the best hitters in that game you have to face it but uh, it helps a lot just bring the confidence don't run away just go for the hitters don't try to just uh, be so perfect about the strike zone it just uh, turns you in a attack mode when you're starting and you know you seem to handle it so well regardless of the role you always have a smile have you always been such a, a good teammate and what does it mean to be a good teammate well, I used not to be like this smile before. I used to smile, but I, I used to get frustrated every day. Every day I got a bad day. I got so frustrated I didn't want to talk with anyone. And uh, sometimes I was carrying that bad day to the next, the next appearances like reliever or the next day I had to start. So it's something I learned. Like the the couple, the couple of years I got in the in the big league with uh, with Seattle up and down. And I learned about uh, like you had good day and bad days, and everything is about how how you show up, how you prepare yourself after that bad day for the next time. Who helped you the most to learn that? Because you probably had someone who was a good teammate to teach you. Well, when I was here, I still was carrying the same thinking about Seattle, and as you remember, the first two times uh, I pitched for Stampa was kind of really bad. 
and even myself, I didn't unpack my luggage. And in that time, I was beside the manager, pitching coach, and the rest of the staff. Uh, I, I can say like thank you to Fieri, Ernesto Fieri. He was with me, and he sit uh, he sit every day and talk to me every day, talking uh, about how is life, how is everything work, how, how God just give us the opportunity to be alive every day, and we cannot be like uh, I don't know. We can we cannot be rude or try to be something somebody you know you you know are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, every day you have to bring the smile and work harder you can and think about like no matter what your number it is if you got the worst numbers of the team just think about you the best one the next day you have to sing and change the mentality from the bat to the best one no matter how what's the number say it's how you feel how you prepare how you show up every day and that was every day he talked to me like hey i know your numbers are bad but every day just work like you number one so at the end of the year, maybe you're going to be closer to what, whatever you want to be. And it really happened. So you were obviously pretty grateful for Ernesto Freire because of what he did for you, yes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just, uh, he, he changed my mind. And then after he changed my mind, just the race was kind of easier to handle because then I, I started working with a pitching coach, with Stan and Hickey, about what the, the pitch count, what the, my best pitch to throw so now my mind was so relaxed, and I kind of understand what is the what is the pitch uh, how to use in that moment. But before, when you're frustrated, you just want to pitch and get the ground ball. And when you don't see the ground ball happening, you just get confused about like, hey, that's a, my ground ball pitch, and it's a pop up. So what's going on? So you get confused. But uh, how my mind was relaxed is like, no matter what, this is a pop up, if a ground ball, if it's an out, I don't care. There's a one out. So that was my mindset now. Who Now, have you started to help others because Ernesto helped you with being positive, being a good teammate? I try. I try every day. I try to use, no matter if it's too many years or less years, just like if I saw them like getting like some bad mood, you just say, hey, it's just a bad day. Tomorrow is a new game. Come on. You're not going to be the first one. You're not going to be the last one. So... Just worrying your mistakes and come back tomorrow, just uh, trying to be better. And you've got a lot of young teammates now, especially on the pitching staff too, where you can where you can help. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been kind of fun because uh, these guys they they really really heard like whatever you said. They know the guys like you say this, I'm gonna do it. No, they just sit, think, and the next time uh, during the practice they're just working, and that's kind of a mistake they made. So that give you. That give you like I don't know like uh, how to say like the confidence to talk with them and like to let them know like hey I'm not perfect but I'm seeing this and you and you can you can be better if you execute that pitch or if you just forget about what you did and come back tomorrow work for when you're training and forget about who's hitting that everybody's human if they know human they can hit 1,000 but nobody hit 1,000 every year so the best hitter hit 340. And so that means he missed seven times to six times. So just count those six times on your favor. If you're going to pitch, just think about, like, this is the seven times he's going to miss, and that's going to be three against me. That's it. Yeah. It sounds like you're pretty excited, too, about this team right now. <laughs> They're playing very well, yes? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, 
It's uh, you know, the bullpen now is no matter how young they are, they throw, they throw really hard and they don't care about who is hitting. They just want to go and execute and try to show the team they just, they they belong over here, and that's that's been fun the whole year. Hold the bullpen, cannot cannot complain about how many days we rest, like the way we use. Sometimes we spend like many days pitching, but at the same time we got so many days rest too. So it's been good on both sides. It's been not like just two people pitching or three people pitching. Now it's been the whole guys pitching in the game no matter what the situation is. This has been a busy year for you. You relieve, you start, and you become a dad too. What's that been like? Are you getting much sleep? Well, I'm working that, you know, <laughs> like uh, I'm just trying to be, make deals. Like now, like being started, you know, when you're pitching, uh, so I stay a little bit more late with the baby. But when I was a reliever, most of the time it's uh, about like 2 a.m. Like she's in charge of the kid till like 8 in the morning. So that way I can sleep during the night and when I wake up I can help her. You know, that was the, that was kind of the deal during the the early mornings. But right now being started, you know, when, when you're going to pitch, it's just easier now to handle. You know, you can just come back to your house and sleep till 1 or you have to come back after the game at seven, go to bed maybe at two or three, and sleep one hour. She sleep one hour. You know, try to switch switch places and try to help each other because it's something you belong to each other. And I would guess it makes it easy to come home when you've got a little baby there to, to be excited about, even if it's not a good day at the ballpark. <laughs> yeah, well, you're right about that. You forget about a lot of stuff, and be with my family too, helping me about that. It's been nice. Like you gotta be reason to just stay home and watch her. Even she's sleeping. It's, it's so fun to hold her and keep her close. And the name Addison Marie has got two E's in Marie, so yeah. it's got a little of Erasmo there. Yeah, that was me picking out the name. <laughs> Try to be away the Maria and Mary. <laughs> you, you know, you're one of I think what 14 major leaguers from Nicaragua. Now, what does that mean? What kind of pride do you have to come from Nicaragua and to be a big leaguer? Well, just be one of the few. It's kind of like tough to you got too much pressure on you because you you just want to show people like how the country is. Like we got talent, but sometimes opportunities don't come out. So like being over here, you just want to execute every time. That is something you have to put in the mind, and that's coming from the same first three years I got the, the my way to sink. Before I used to think about like, okay, I'm going down because I used to have the options to go on the minors. But uh, then I forget about minor leagues. I forget about I'm going down. I, I forget about everything. I just put in my mind, you want to do your best and show them you just show up to throw strikes. Show the team you just come over here to compete. You try to win. You, don't, you hate to lose. That's you show them, and even the teammate, they can feel you. If you show to the game uh, with that, with that, uh, like the bra, the bribe, the, I don't, I don't know how to say. It. Like you show them, you come over there to compete and try try and put the ball in play. They gonna do the part too because they are gonna feel like any time the ball is gonna come to me, and I don't want to be the the main guy in the team saying like, oh, he was pitching good and made the mistake. And I had to understand that part too. When somebody made a mistake, I made a lot of mistakes pitching too. 
so they they allow to make mistakes. What is the best part about Nicaragua? What is the best part about home for you? My family. That's the best part. Just go visit my family, stay with them most I can, and know more about my country because even though I don't believe it, I don't know that much about my country. I've been like not allowed, not, not able to go around, and it's not because I don't want to, it's just because I had to first save my money before I had spent some trips. I know when I get nothing back, mm-hmm. so I had to do first invest my money, get my money, and then start thinking where I, where I want to go to Nicaragua and, and know more about my country. Do you want to help grow the game there, too, at some point, hopefully? Well, the idea is start from now, even because they can believe in you more right now than when you retire, <laughs> that's for sure. So just try to talk with any kid, like whatever people is there, like young guys, try to let them know like baseball is so awesome and no matter just it is just baseball soccer the basketball no matter what what sport it is when you do good when you do your best and become one of the best ones you got the opportunity to to get uh to get better in your life and that's the most important thing is just you good studying that's nice if you can complement good student with a good professional player that's kind of awesome. So now you know if you you got something uh, wrong with your body during your professional career, you already know you got open open doors during the professional uh, for go study whatever you want. And during your professional career, you save money. And now you have the money to pay whatever uh, career you pick. So it's just one of the most important things to say it. And it's not just about just go and be the best one. It's just about just go execute to be consistent and just wait because there is some guys they've been good but they know had opportunities and that's kind of situation you cannot control because you got so many guys in front of you and there is so many guys behind you so there is this again that it depends about how you prepare yourself every day well you've been doing that the right way so far with the rays continue to do that good to see the smile on your face continued success Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys, for everything, for all the support, too. That's Erasmo Ramirez joining us on This Week in Race Baseball. More after this on the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. Neil Solon's with you. Time now to take a look at the week gone by. And joining us from Seattle right now of the Tampa Bay Times, Mark Topkin. Topper, thanks very much for coming on on what has been a Long trip with, as you wrote today, some long games. Absolutely, Neil. You know it's always the highlight of the week to share a few minutes with you. Tell me the piece you wrote today. I mean, you wrote a couple, but the one on the length of games uh, was intriguing. What surprised you about that, if anything, as you tried to get to the genesis as to why the Rays are playing with the third longest games in the league? Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. It's kind of a compilation of a lot of different things. I, I think, you know, your intuition was that the uh, kind of hit-or-miss nature of the offense, the fact that they draw so many walks, that they strike out so many times, that naturally is going to extend counts. So they are seeing more pitches. They're seeing the fourth-most pitches of any team in the majors and averaging about 155 a game. Uh, I think what surprised me, and I I guess it shouldn't in that we lived through it, but I I know that Andres was slow. I didn't realize Archer and Cobb were also as slow as they are. They're all three among the top five in terms of the amount of time pitchers take between pitches and 
I know it seems like a minuscule amount. You know, you're talking about 0.7 of a second or something like that. But if a guy throws 100 pitches, that still adds up to a couple minutes. Or uh, I think in Andres' case, maybe almost eight or nine minutes a game more so than, than other pitchers as far as how deliberate he is and kind of the old human rain delay uh, description they used to use for Mike Hargrove back when he batted and did a lot of things in the batter's box. But that was part of it. Um, it, w- it was fun to explore. It was actually more probably not as much surprising as reaffirming to find some of the data supported what we thought and saw. And almost in contrast to that, you have Erasmo Ramirez going today, and here we go to the end of a road trip, and the Rays are going to need length from the guy who's probably least stretched out from, in terms of their starting pitchers. Yeah, and it's been a rough week as far as, you know, I, I still don't know that the Rays have totally gotten their pitching back in order since, you know, last Sunday, if you, you really want to look at it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kevin Cash has said a couple times last night and again today that Erasmus is ready to go. He's on a regular schedule. He really isn't because because of the off day, he threw his bullpen on Friday rather than Thursday. So he threw a lighter bullpen than normal. So it's still not really a normal routine week for Erasmo Ramirez. So... I think that's probably part of the reason that you uh, saw Austin Pruitt not be used too much over the last few days, that you know he'll be available if they do need him to go with some length today. But, yeah, it's been a, it's been a rough stretch. I mean, Garten threw extensively the other night. There's a possibility he could be used. So there's a couple of ways they could go if they have to cover some innings. But I don't think the pitching staff's been caught up yet. And then I, kn- I know uh, it was interesting last night after the game, Neil, Kevin Cash said, uh, kind of unprompted, really, you know, talking about mm-hmm. Alex Cobb, but he said he thought overall some of the starters were gassed and they were going to have to try to figure out, you know, they rode them pretty hard and he thought it was showing up a little bit. And you know, obviously, if you look at the last two nights, neither Odorizzi nor Cobb were really sharp. So he said they might do something. Now, they do have an off day tomorrow. I mean, it's a collapsed off day because they're going to get back, obviously, late tonight after the trip. But there is an off day as far as not having to use a pitcher. But I'm, I'm wondering if there may be something else they have. And they still got that double header looming on Saturday. So it's still going to take them, you know, arguably in another week to get this whole pitching staff really sorted out and back to full strength, everyone on a regular schedule. And this with a group that, look, they need their pitching to be strong. This is actually seven straight games. They've allowed five runs or more. So to be 4-4 four and four on the trip is almost surprising when you consider, really, they've had to outscore their mistakes to win. Yeah, well, they're the slugging Rays now, you know, leading the majors. It's funny, of all the different stats that we come across at times, and, and you know, you, sometimes you, you repeat them to players or you ask questions about them, and when I mentioned a couple of players, you know, you guys are leading the majors in homers, they would be like, what? And, and you know, it kind of caught them off guard a little bit, too. You don't think of this as that team that would be the most, you know, powerful team hitting the most homers in the majors, but... Obviously, they've been on a pretty good stretch in doing that. Now, certainly, they need to score more runs uh, and find other ways to do that. They've had a dry stretch as far as not scoring in other ways, and that's where the offense has got to be kind of improved to make this work because you're not going to get the great pitching every night, and we know the bullpen can sometimes turn into an adventure. Speaking of the bullpen, you know, you also probably don't think of the Rays as having some of the hardest throwers in the game, and now they do, and you wrote about that today in the Tampa Bay Times as well. I did. It was kind of fun. It was uh, kind of Century City there. The guys that have gotten into triple digits uh, pitching-wise, and, and, you know, we've obviously seen both Ryan Stanek and Jose Alvarado come up. They've both thrown 100. It was interesting to me that there have only been, what, five other Rays uh, players who had done so, and obviously Fernando Rodney, the most of all of them. David Price was on that list. Uh, and then it was fun to kind of go through. There's some fabulous data available on the StatCast uh, website and, and through... Uh, baseballsavant.com is also a great place to look. I know, Neil, you're on there a lot. And 
uh, you could go through and find what each pitcher's high speed was, the, the highest pitch they've ever thrown, the fastest pitch. So Chris Archer is just about there. He's actually had in 2015, he had a 99.9 mile an hour pitch. Now, obviously, you have to kind of go apples to apples, orange to oranges, and stick with one system because certainly we see the data that flashes up on stadium scoreboards, it flashes up on the TV broadcasts, isn't always matched, but you go with this uh, pitch FX and StatCast data and you can do some really fun comparisons. Mark, we got about a minute or so. We just touched on the new, and that's the hard throwers. I want to touch on the old because Soot Zimmer joins us in a little bit. On this, the third anniversary of the passing of Don Zimmer. Since you covered the team since the beginning, what sticks out to you on this day about Zim? I mean, there, there's so much about Don Zimmer, uh, Neil, and you know, what he meant to the Rays, what he meant to the Tampa Bay community, what he meant to Major League Baseball overall. I mean, I know as a player... Uh, his career isn't Hall of Fame worthy, but as a baseball guy, he is Hall of Fame worthy. And, you know, if you, you asked me uh, to be some stories here, and just quickly, I think just any time sitting on the bench with Don Zimmer and, and letting him talk, and that, that was just any time that came up, I treasured those opportunities. And one example, too, when he was uh, toward the end there, when he was sick and he didn't get to come to the ballpark too often, give you a quick thing. One day he showed up and I tweeted out that he was uh, sitting in the ballpark in the seats behind home plate, and Evan Longoria came running up the tunnel. He had seen the tweet, and he wanted to get a chance to talk to Don while he was there, and I thought that spoke uh, pretty good volumes of how he is uh, respected throughout the game. No doubt. Mark, great stuff as usual. Have a safe trip back from Seattle, and we'll see you this week. All right, Neil, looking forward to it. That is Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Let's pause right now for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. This is Tampa Bay Sports Radio. This one's on its way. Thank God. 620 WDAE St. Petersburg and 95.3 FM, home of the Rays. You know, as I mentioned to Mark Topkin, today is the third anniversary of the passing of one Don Zimmer, clearly one of the most beloved people in the game. We'll look back at Don's legacy as we've done the last three years with his widow, Soot. Don't go anywhere. This Week in Rays Baseball continues from Hooters, Tyrone Square Mall in St. Petersburg right after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball, and today is actually the third anniversary of the passing of Don Zimmer, and I'm privileged to have on the program Soot Zimmer, his widow. Soot, thanks very much. It is a pleasure to have you on again. Thank you, Neil. It's a pleasure to be here. Tell me three years later, because, look, in, in Florida, you have people who come in, come out, um, who, who move from other places. What do you think is most important that fans of the race should know about Don? Oh, geez. Well, they certainly knew a lot about him. Um, He loved baseball. Graduated from high school, went immediately into baseball. Until he died, he played baseball. Or not played, but, you know, was in the game. Not too long ago, I was watching a Rays game. And I said to my son, who happens to be a scout for 36 years, but he has the reports to do, of course. I said, Tom, I can't believe... The dad went to the ballpark every day for 66 years. He never once complained, I'm tired of this game or I don't like it. He went, you know, and for many years he was still putting on the uniform every day. And it, it, I just, well, he just left it. And, uh, and I hope everybody knew that, that. I mean, he wasn't a Joe DiMaggio or Mickey Mantle. He wasn't a 235 hitter. And he used to say, Maybe Lou Gehrig said, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Well, I'm the second luckiest to be around, you know, this long. So. And you were, I mean, along for so many important moments in it. How are you doing? And, and you do so many things now that I think people do to remember Zim. 
I'm always pinch hitting for him. <laughs> That's what I call it. I've been invited to to banquets and so forth to represent him. And now recently, this year, I was invited up to the Wrigley Field when they had their first home game after, you know, the World Series last year. Joe Madden and his wife, Jay, invited me up, along with my grandson, Bo, because he thought I should be there. Of course, that was Don's favorite. He said that was his highlight when he was the manager there and they won the Eastern Division title because they were picked to finish last, and he had four or five rookies on the team. But anyway, um, that was such a – and then they put tidbits up on the you know on the scoreboard about Don, and that made me feel so good that he still remembered. And then recently, I just went up for the Derek Jeter retirement of his number. Uh, the Yankees invited me with Derek saying he wanted me to come up. And <laughs> But anyway, it's nice to think that they still remember Don that way. Aaron Judge escorted you on the field and then sends you a letter afterwards? I just got a picture today from, from well, the Yankee Senate, but it's autographed from Aaron Judge. And I said, if you all remember the cartoon Mutt and Jeff, I said, when we went on the field, if that wasn't Mutt and Jeff, a tall one and a short one, that was, we, had, we were laughing going out on the field. <laughs> And enjoying it all the way. I mean, you, you know, you are Zim is, is remembered in so many ways in our ballpark. I mean, you think about it. Only Wade Boggs' jersey is retired along with his. The MVP award is named after him. There's scholarships here in the area that are named after him, too. What touches you the most? What, what are you most appreciative of? All of that. I mean, I couldn't believe that they, of course, retiring his number, that really wasn't the number he wore as a player that was the number of years he was in the game. And somewhere along the way, one of the clubhouse men changed his number. Every, so his number on his uniform changed every year to represent how many years he was in the game. And I thought that was kind of neat. And um, the scholarships, I think, is quite a tribute to him. In fact, I'm going to be down at the Trop on the 23rd of June to present the one that goes to the Clearwater for Youth you know, person that – got it this year and uh well everything I mean he would be so proud to know that all this is going on for a 235 hitter he always used to say that (laughs) more than a 235 hitter and you know I I I was uh last week I sat down with Evan Longoria and and Tom Foley and Rocco Baldelli and Chris Archer Alex Cobb guys who were around him and and they all send their regards but it was neat to hear that in different ways they all had some special memory where he touched them in some way. And I think, forget the batting average, forget the statistics. That's, to me, what he meant the most to this organization and to this game. Well, that the, the batting average was a joke. <laughs> I mean, he was proud to think that he was liked as <laughs> But anyway, yes, uh, the, those fellows that you just mentioned, he was very close to the, you know all of them. And they had fun. He always said, this is a, a game, have fun. He wanted to have fun, but yet, you know, there were important things about baseball. But he had fun with all the guys that he was with and kid with them and everything. In fact, well, you can't do this on radio, but there's a picture there of one <laughs> where he's having fun with one of his coaches years ago. And to me, I like that because he was smiling and looked happy. And you're happy still, too. I mean, I see the smile on your face. I mean, to me, that that excitement for the game, I, I still think, stays with you, too, to this day. 
I can't go a day without watching a ball game. <laughs> that was my life since since we went together, since we were 16. I've been watching baseball a long time. Not only about him, but our son and our grandsons and our granddaughter. I mean, you know, I just, it, it wouldn't be right if I didn't turn the, the TV on to watch the ball game. I mean, that's just my life. And the time here was special to him, too, because he spent a full decade with the Rays organization. That was the longest he spent anywhere. Right. That I didn't realize until somebody brought that up, that he had spent more years here than any other one place. And that, I think, made it special. Everything that the Rays have done for me is special. I'll never forget the memorial. That was very special. But uh, the scholarships, everything. Again, Soot Simmer with us on This Week in Rays Baseball. You know, you mentioned your your kids, your grandkids. How how many grandkids and great-grandkids do you now have? I have four grandchildren. Our son had three boys, and our daughter had one girl. I got to iterate a little bit there. The boys played baseball but they didn't carry it on to college. But the granddaughter was an All-American softball player at UMass <laughs> and now is a very successful college softball coach uh, at WPI. But then I have five greats. Can you imagine? Oh, my goodness. Time marches on. <laughs> it does. And, and I'm guessing that you see Don in, in each of the oh. kids in some way, shape, or form. Uh, are there any who are, you know, what, what kind of traits do you see and, and how so? Well, what as far as traits that look that looks like him, a couple of them have blue eyes like he had. Several of them have that little cleft that he had in his chin, you know, that little dimple or whatever you call it. And uh, whether any of the greats are going to be ball players, I don't know. There is one boy, but uh, that remains to be seen. But he was so proud of all his kids, grandkids, and and now well, he didn't see all the greats, but he did see two of them. And the one that you, you mentioned that is a grandchild who she's a successful coach. Last year she was in the regionals, right, in the NCAA tournament too. They just missed out by one game of going to the regionals, but they did win the conference. And uh, so she's been very – she's done more for that WPI softball than – they won more games than they've ever won before. And so she's carrying on the trait a couple of times. One time she called a suicide squeeze – and I thought, that's one of Pops's. <laughs> they used to confer to each other after every game. He'd talk to her. He'd call her. That was one thing about the cell phones. He w- he'd come home and he'd say, Mom, I just called Whitney. He said, uh, we talked about the game and everything. <laughs> Not that softball is like baseball, but they're, you know, just strategy in that they talked about. That's kind of nice to see that hang on. Now, and, and there are so many people who you, you mentioned, um, Joe and Jay, and you mentioned Derek Jeter. I know when we talked last year, you mentioned how Joe Torre and Jim Leland used to stay in touch on a fairly frequent basis, and I would assume you've heard from them a lot over the last year. I still hear from them. In fact, I just saw Joe when I went up to the Derek Jeter thing. And, uh, yeah, Leland calls every couple of weeks, and there are a couple other fellows that were his buddies that check on me all the time, and I think that's nice because I've heard a lot of widows say that uh, once the husband's gone, uh, they're kind of dropped, but... uh, there's quite, <laughs> you know, I feel, you know, nice that they remember me too, but, uh, you know, well, we had fun, that's why. <laughs> Did you watch much of the World Baseball Classic then? Because it was kind of nice to see, you know, Jim out there managing that too. I sure did. Every game that I could, I watched. And, of course, there were other people on that team, the coaches and that, that I all knew, you know. So, yeah, that was kind of fun. 
you've probably got as many connections in the game still. Maybe not as many as he had, but uh, pretty close to it. Well, through him I got them, yes. Uh, I do hear from, you know, yeah, I have a few connections. <laughs> what would he say? I mean, this group with the Rays, I think, has showed a lot of grit and a lot of fight so far this year, regardless of how the rest of the season turns out. What do you think he would say about this group right now? Oh, he would, he would, this this is his kind of team. Yes, he'd like it very much. But of course, there's so many new guys that he didn't know. I think Evans, you know, the only one maybe left on the team. Oh, yeah, Alex Cobb. And I know, was Archer here before, Don? He was. In fact, you know, I I was, uh, and, and we'll air this story a little bit later on in the show, but Alex had mentioned how when he got sent down, Don came over to him and told him how he said, you are a big leaguer. And he said that sticks. That still sticks with him anytime he goes through moments. And See, I don't. I don't know all those stories. Those things that, <laughs> the, you know, those behind the scenes. That's what Don was here for—to kind of mentor guys and, you know, give them a pep talk when they needed. I mean, Joe, when he was here, he used to tell Don, "Go over to so and so and you know, and talk to him." And maybe because Don had been around so long, you know, he knew that, that there's good days and there's bad, and you've got to, you know, hang in there. But uh, I'm sure I didn't know that about Alex. How nice that he said that. Yeah. He said, it, in fact, it was, I don't know if you'd call it a turning point, but it was a pretty big moment in his career. And it's a, it's a nice story that yeah. we're going to play later. I mean, you know, to see people remember in that way, and, and for different reasons, everyone's got kind of a different memory, I think is probably one of the neat things about this. Would you agree? I agree. I agree. Very nice that, that they remember him in that way. Yes, I do. How the game has changed a lot, but obviously you still enjoy it beyond the Rays. What do you enjoy most about the game now? Well, I just, I mean, I'm just a baseball fan. I watch all the Rays games, but every once in a while I'll turn on. There are so many games on every day now that once in a while I'll turn on trying to remember. In fact, yesterday I was texting back and forth with my daughter who lives up in the Boston area in New Hampshire, really, but just north of Boston. And she was giving me, she was watching the Red Sox game and telling me how David Price was doing because I said, I remember all the nice things he said when he passed. You know, he's a, he's a friend. And, uh, I mean, so now there I was checking on him <laughs> to see how he was. And he did pretty good, I think. But they didn't win the game, but he was out of the game. and They were ahead when he left. But and, You know, I, I would think that's, you know, what – makes this game so special is the relationships it sounds we've talked about and the friendships that have been made in this game. Well, you know, when I went up to Chicago, really the only one I knew on the team was Zobris. And I went over and, you know, we hugged and everything. But now I look at the box scores every day to see what he does. <laughs> Different ones, I, I check on them. I mean, that's just part of the being a baseball fan, I guess. Beyond Evan, because I know he was a favorite I mean, Evan had a very tight and, and special relationship with Don. But are there others that, you know, you you mentioned David, you mentioned Ben, that you continually follow who are no longer in the organization just because of what they meant to, to Don? Boy, you're trying to get my marriage. <laughs> I'm 86. <laughs> I can't remember. Give me a box score or something and I'll tell you. But, yeah, I, well, I do look at the box scores, you know, to check on certain fellows. I can't think of all of them now, but – you know, there are quite a few of them have been traded away and so forth. So, uh, yes, I'm interested in it all. But I'm still a Rays fan. 
no doubt. And and you spend uh, how often do you get to see? Uh, I mean, you travel to Chicago, you travel to New York. Do you travel now a lot to see the grandkids, or they all come to you? Well, uh, most of them live here, and the only one that lives up north is my daughter, and then her daughter. That's the coach, and I am going up there in July. They come down here. My daughter's coming down here later in July. And uh, but with three, you know, three of the grandkids here in the area, then I get to see them a lot. And three of the four of the great grandkids, I see a lot too. And you mentioned Tom, who's been scouting for thirty plus years. I mean, what does it mean to see him doing and sharing that same passion for the game? Obviously, he has to have it to do it this long and this successfully. Right. It's funny. Last night we were at a cookout over at his son's house, and and the giant game, who he's a scout for, was on, and there was a big, big fight. <laughs> and so we were all looking at that. If they showed that, I didn't think they were supposed to show it that often. They must have showed that fight about six or seven times during the game. I mean, <laughs> maybe that means something, but I thought they used to not show it so that wouldn't give other ones ideas. Well, this is what we're going to do. But uh, yeah, we have a, we can talk baseball. I mean, uh, you know, he goes on trips and his wife goes with him, and we talk. You know, we definitely talk baseball. There's no no doubt about it. And I know that Don was probably involved. In a, he was involved in a couple of famous brawls too. So <laughs> yeah, but this one yesterday, I couldn't believe it. They kept showing it. I mm-hmm. I thought that they discouraged it so that other ones wouldn't get any ideas. But I guess it's another passe thing. <laughs> The game has changed a lot. What did you enjoy most? I mean, you you have made so many friends in the game. What did you enjoy most as as someone you know as someone who's been involved for sixty plus years? What what means? What does baseball mean to you? Well, the friendships you make in the game. I mean, and I still have many from many many years ago. I still send Christmas cards to our babysitter when he was a player in Chicago. Now, you know how many years ago that was? 60, 61. Those kind of things. Because we lived all over the country. Don was traded a lot of time. I didn't realize that he was on 14 different teams until they br- I think somebody just brought that up. When they retired this number or something, they mentioned about how many teams he was on. But there are certain people in all those places I still keep in contact with. How hard were those moves? And and do you think today people realize how difficult the life back then was? Because obviously the, the money has changed, the, the technology has changed, the ability to travel has changed. Well, I'm going to tell you, I never looked at it as a hardship. When I traveled across the country from here to L.A. many times, no seat belts, no car seats, no cell phones. I never looked at it as a hardship. I thought it was an adventure. Every I, Before I'd get my maps from AAA, no GPS. I still don't believe in GPSs because I know sometimes they take you to the wrong place. But anyway, <laughs> uh, to me, nothing was a hardship. One time I drove from here to California when the kids were little. I had nobody in the car with me, and they were in the back seat. There were no car seats or anything. Got set up in an apartment, and Don got traded to Washington, D.C. So I had to drive from L.A. to Washington, D.C. Now, they talk about the hardships on the girls today. You just mentioned something. Do you know the salaries they make? (laughs) (laughs) We didn't make those kind of salaries. And, I mean, I I just thought it was part of my job to, to do what I did with, you know, driving. I drove everywhere. 
Well, I can tell you it is never a hardship on this ride with you to reminisce about the game of baseball. I love doing it every year, and I hope to continue doing as long as you're willing. Um, And I appreciate you coming on our show this week. Well, thank you, Neil. It was a pleasure. And I'm going to tell you something. Everybody says, what's your secret to longevity? Because I am 86. Laughing. Do a lot of laughing. A lot of humor. Because we all do enough crying in our life. But look at the, the fun things in life. And I think that's what Don did with baseball. That it was a, a game and he had fun with it. I mean, you can't look at everything as a hardship. But uh, keep a smile on your face. <laughs> And you have to keep a smile on your face when chatting with Soot Zimmer. She is as much a joy as Don was to be around. She truly is 86 years young, as you just heard. When you talk with race players and coaches that were around Zim, it is hard not to smile as well. Evan Longoria says he thinks of Zim quite often. I actually write his name in all of my hats that I get, so I, I remember not to forget him, but uh, it's... Um, it's it's not hard to think about you know all the times that I spent with him on the bench in spring training, um, all the memories that he shared with me, all of the uh, advice that uh, that he gave me over the years, and um, I'm so thankful for those those times you know because you don't get the opportunity to sit next to a guy like that and and uh, pick a, a guy like that's brain um, every day. So uh, I definitely miss him around here. Um, the uh, the pile of guys that uh, was around here to really remember him is kind of dwindling, but, uh, you know, I was one of the lucky ones, and uh, I know that um, we I play cards with Foley every day, and one of the things that comes up all the time was how good he was at gin and um, how I, I loved playing cribbage with him, and it, it, we just had so many memories, and um, it's, uh, it's nice to think back and, and you know, remember that I was able to have those times with him. How do you remember him, or how did he help make you a better baseball player and also a better human being? Baseball-wise, he the thing that he um, always would tell me was not to let my emotions get to me, you know, to, to stay as, as even keel as, as I could. And uh, early on in my career, I was, uh, you know, I'd throw things a lot and I'd get upset. And, um, you know, he'd just watch me and kind of shake his head and scowl at me and look like he was disgusted at me so I, I remembered those faces that he would make at me and he'd tell me you know why are you throwing your helmet why are you doing this why are you doing that and uh and so I, I learned from those things and and as a human I mean just the way that uh, he treated all the young players I think was what stuck with me you know he never he never didn't have time for anybody you know he, he would spend uh, a few minutes or a few hours you know talking with whoever wanted to spend time with them. Rocco Baldelli was a player and executive during the time he knew Zim and says Zim was as special as any person he's ever been around. He always treated me very, very well from the first day that I ever met him. And, you know, for that, I was always grateful to him. Um, I love the guy. I I always felt, coming from his perspective and and from our perspective, that this was his his home, um, a place where where we loved loved him and, and he loved being here. So... I still miss him. We still think about him, talk about him constantly. We can't, we can't stop. He'll, he'll never be forgotten here in Tampa Bay. How do you think of him, and how do you think being having been around him helps you today? Well, first of all, I mean, I feel very lucky to have spent so much uh, time around him. Personally, a lot of my, my favorite memories of him are just sitting around, maybe having a meal, sitting in the clubhouse, and just talking. And um, whenever he spoke, everybody listened. That's that's the way it was, and I think it was it was almost special every time you know he, he would tell a story or he would uh, 
you know, even even comment or give his opinion on something. Um, to say he was uh, his opinion was held in high regard, I think, would be a little bit of an, an understatement. But uh, we love him, and that love is echoed by many in many ways. As Chris Archer considers him a legend, in my opinion, he has seen more than anybody else has seen. He shared some classic stories about his time with Jackie Robinson, and I didn't know a whole lot about. Don Zimmer's playing career prior to being a Ray. I knew that he was a coach and was very influential with the Yankees and some other organizations, but when he told me about his relationship with Jackie Robinson, I knew immediately he was a great guy and somebody I could always go to for a history lesson on baseball. And what sticks with you today about Zim as a person that stays with you? Just his passion for the game, love, uh, to be around it for what was it, 60-something years? To be around it that long, you have to have a deep love, and something has to motivate you more than, than money and, and fame and all, all those things, and uh, definitely something we can all aspire to have, that motivation. That motivation is what inspired different people in different ways. Listen to the story Alex Cobb tells about a person he considered at the top of his craft. Intimidating first person to kind of meet in the game uh, at your, your first impression, and then you spend maybe five, ten seconds with him and just see a big teddy bear. And, you know, when I first had the opportunity to talk to him, I was just, don't even think I was paying attention to what he said. I'm just sitting there thinking while I'm talking to Don Zimmer and just all the the moments that I remember seeing him um, in big, big situations through baseball history, being a part of, it's just, um, you know, I really felt like that was, you know, guys talk a lot about their moment that they felt like they're in the big leagues. Um, that was a moment where I felt like I, I'm kind of here. I was still, you know, it was minor league, or it was big league spring training, but I was like, wow, I'm, you know, I'm talking to a legend, and he's talking to me. <laughs> Is there anything that sticks out about what you remember best about him as a person, too? Um, there's a couple things. Uh, one is, you know, we had kind of a little bit of a connection with the Vero Beach. Uh, he did some spring trainings there, and um, we would always kind of, he'd always kind of just pull me aside and throw out a name of a bar or a name of a, a spot that he would hang out with, and he'd, he'd um He'd ask me if he was still around or what's there, and uh, he'd always have a little story that went along with it, very entertaining stories for the most part. <clears throat> and then another one was when I first got sent down in the big leagues, uh, 2011. It was big league camp. I got sent down, and uh, I was pitching on, or I was on the backfields, uh, and for some reason he, he was over on, on the backfields that day, and he pulled me aside and I might have talked to him three or four times leading up to that day. Um, no reason for him to even know my name at that moment, uh, let alone pull me aside and talk to me. But he told me I'm a big leaguer and um, that just getting to know me through camp and uh, knowing my mentality for that short amount of time, he said I'm going to be a very successful big leaguer. And just a lot of words of encouragement and I'm still floored to this day. Um, it was one of those moments where this guy believes in me after everything he's seen. The sky's the limit. Like, I know he's not just coming over here to, to try to give me a fake encouragement. You know, it's, it's, it's some real words, and um, I was very thankful for that. And it, uh, it definitely gave me that extra bit of confidence when I did finally come up. So who knows where Alex Cobb might be were it not for that conversation with Don Zimmer. 
It's what makes him so special, says bench coach Tom Foley. It's that larger-than-life presence. His personality, and he had so many of them, but, you know, the old gruff stuff, and he'd walk in there, and we tried to get him going a little bit, which was kind of easy, and uh, I'm sure he played along as much as we did. But, you know, when we walk out of the clubhouse, every time we walk out, there's this, there's this picture right there in front of us, and, you know, I always look at him, and every once in a while I'll say, hey, Zim, and walk out the door. So he's he's always here. He's always on our mind, and uh, you know we're always reminded of him because of that picture. How does having known him and having befriended him in baseball helped you in this game? Well, I know me getting older, uh, uh, and the way you know he he the way he looked at things, uh, you know uh, he, he didn't hold anything back. If he had something to say, he'd say it, and uh, he'd say it in his special way. And if you don't like it tough luck he was going to say it and you're going to listen to him uh, I, I kind of get in that way a little bit where you know I'm going to say what I have to say and if I if I make you mad uh, my favorite saying now is you'll get over it but uh, those those are one of the things but you know just for him it was just nobody's going to be like him Zim is Zim there's not going to be another one special uh, to us to all of us even the guys that that weren't here when he was here uh, I think they get a sense of uh, how everybody feels about him Indeed, and thanks to all the insight on what made him a special human being, especially his wife, Soot. Thanks to our other guests on the program today, pitcher Erasmo Ramirez, who gets the start in the game this afternoon. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times joining us from Seattle, as well as Evan Longoria, Chris Archer, Alex Cobb, Rocco Baldelli, and Tom Foley for, again, their insights on one Don Zimmer. A raised doubleheader, by the way, means you get double the game action, double the fun, and double the raised magic. Saturday, June 10th, the race hosts the A's in a scheduled doubleheader. You get two games that day for the price of one. The first 15,000 fans will receive a Matt Duffy double play bobblehead presented by Spectrum. All you have to do is visit RaysBaseball.com today. If you ever have something you'd like to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons or at Rays Radio as well. Don't forget today to live life as him did. Have fun. Love the game. For my producer, Trey Downey, I'm Neil Solons. We're at a Rays watch party coming up here at Hooters. Tyrone Square Mall in St. Petersburg. On our show next week, we will preview the Major League Baseball draft. Coming up, the pregame show, Rays getting set for Seattle. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.